0: What's going on, Westchester? You're listening to 95.3 WCHE 1520. WCHE, The Connor and Mark Show are back live in the studio here right on Gay Street.
1: Mark, what's going on, man? Nothing, man. It is, uh, it is so different being back live. It's been two weeks, but definitely it's felt longer and... Uh, I'm so excited to get the show on the road here in the studio. No, I'm excited too, and there's a lot to talk about. I mean, the Phillies obviously
0: get a, a big opening day win against the Atlanta Braves uh, and a walk-off win by Gene Segura. And then we got, obviously, uh, March Madness continuing the Final Four tonight. And we're going to be talking about those games, the lines, and, and, and the betting odds of, of, of who looks like the figure, favorite right now. is looking really good, and they look like the clear-and-head favorite going into it. We're also going to be talking about uh, you know some 76ers. Joel Embiid looks like he may be back tonight. We're still waiting on the update on his injury report uh, on the knee and, and, and where he falls in line on the injury report. Hopefully he'll be back tonight, along with the Flyers, who are obviously in downward spiral, uh, losing last game to the Buffalo Sabres, who've lost 18 games. In a row, previous to that, and and pick up a win against the Flyers, so they are obviously uh, in, in a dark place right now. We're gonna take a deep dive into that as well, and also maybe we we'll even touch some Eagles because
1: uh, there's not a whole lot going on. But Jalen Hurst switches number from two to one, which I guess is a pretty interesting thing. So definitely interesting thing. I mean, that's probably the most interesting we interesting thing we have to talk about right now uh for the eagles um you know other than making a big splash in in the in the uh, nfl news world of trading back to number 12 but yeah we'll evaluate some other nfl draft prospects as you know always around this time names start to emerge that you know even a month ago um weren't really at the top of the board so we'll definitely dive into that and it is sad but we do have to talk about those philadelphia flyers in the spot that they're in right now but um would definitely kick it off with some fills and and yeah. um, big win the other day. Just wait, what a way to kick off opening day! Well, right?
0: here's here's what I'll say, and and here's an important date in mind that I want to keep in mind, and I want to know if you would probably know what the date is significant with the Phillies, October seventh, two thousand eleven. Do you know what that date? Significant with the Philadelphia Phillies. That was the last playoff game they played. Look at you. So they played the St. Cardinals October 7, 2011. And, Mark, I think this is the year that they finally returned back to the postseason. It's been a long nine-year stretch here for the Philadelphia Phillies. Um Do you remember who pitched for the Phillies in that game? I want to say Roy Halladay. Yes, you're right. <laughs> oh, and they lost to Adam Wainwright 1-0. Adam Wainwright, yep. So it's, that, that was a wild-card game, it, correct? It was a... No, was it a divisional game. Okay. Divisional a nice round. Game. okay. Yeah. Cause, the, and they went win a 100 games that year. And obviously after that year, you know, Ryan Howard towards Achilles and, and then the, the amazing stretch of the, of the Philadelphia Phillies run from 2007 to 2011 was over. And then ever since then, the Phillies have been outside looking in on the playoff picture. And I think this is finally the year. And when you look at this roster, man, it's, it's, it's. It's really loaded from, I think, from top to bottom. Uh, you know, He got, I mean, they only put in two runs last game, but I still think that, you know, they hit the ball pretty well against a pretty good pitcher in Max Freed. And, and, and we look at the bullpen, that was a huge question going into this season. And I think they really stepped up last game. We saw Brogdon, we saw Alvarado, we saw Archie Bradley. Uh, obviously, Hector Naris, who was the only guy, I think, who's the only guy in the bullpen who was on the opening day roster last year, that is this year. So, mm-hmm. um, and also Aaron Noah, I know he didn't pitch a perfect game, but he he, he pitched seven strong, only let up two runs and and it, was, and it was pretty good. So I, everything about... The, I know it's one game and there's going to be a whole lot more... It's, it's, a, it's a marathon, not a sprint with the baseball season. But as it currently stands right now, I think this Phillies team is, is really good. I think they're primed to uh, end the, the droughtless streak of, of missing this postseason. And they're going to be playing some October baseball this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing for me and the biggest takeaway from that game the other day was the defensive plays. I mean, the amount of defensive plays that were made on, on the Phillies end was the reason that they really won that game. And it started with... Or, you know, one of the big ones was Didi DeGorius in the ninth. Probably a better catch than I think any Eagles receiver made last season. You're 100% um, right Tracking that one down right on the, the outfield grass a little bit. Saved the game, basically, for the fills. And then Roman Quinn, in on a... Unexpected hero coming in late for Adam Hazley. Um, a great throw to the plate and, and a great play by JT to to track that ball down. But the biggest thing with this team is is consistency. Can they keep this up? Like you said, hundred sixty hundred sixty two game season. It's a marathon and not a sprint. And and this team needs to keep that in mind. Um, and the biggest thing I think is going to be the bullpen. They can they've proven that they can get leads that they can hit off very good pitching and and Max Freed. Um. Being the Braves' starter and and really a three headed monster. I mean, you got, you got, um, Max Freed, you got Mike Sorokin, and you got Ian Anderson—three really good young pitchers for the Braves. And if they can keep this hitting up, um, obviously three runs—you want a little more there. But if they can keep hitting consistently, making good contact, um, you know, I think they will be in the playoffs this year in a really competitive division. And the last thing I do want to add is—is is I thought Bryce looked very good. Um, you know, it was, it was a little upsetting not to see that ball go out as the wind kind of oh, yeah. twirled it back in. I believe it was in. Yeah, it was in the. Early stage. It was a game. second at bat. Yeah, second. I would say maybe third or fourth inning, but... You know, this this team obviously just one game, but they showed good signs. Um, and, and it's really going to ride on this pitching, I think. And if this team can put up runs, um, I think it's going to serve them well against this very strong, um, and deep pitching rotation in the NL East as well.
0: No, I agree. And there's, and obviously the Phillies will be playing again at four o'clock today. We're playing the second of the three game series against the Atlanta Braves. Charlie Morton will be on the mound for the Atlanta Braves, and Zach Wheeler will be on the mound at four o'clock, uh, for the Philadelphia Phillies. So, uh, I, I know we talked a lot about Aaron Nola going into this year, and and really there's a discussion of whether you know he's a true ace or a true number one. Zach Wheeler, he's he's that one B and one A that uh, Aaron Nola and him are. They're, they're listen, they're both really talented. So I'm excited to see what Zach Wheeler brings this year. Um, you know, he was the big obviously for agent get last offseason, but with the shortened season, you know, it, it, it's kind of you don't really know how pitchers really settled in at that point last season. So I think a, a full spring training and a full off season and, and a full 162 game season for the MLB. I'm excited to see what Zach Wheeler can bring to the, to the forefront with this team. And also when the lineups are posted, if it gets posted this hour, um, we will let you guys know, but currently currently looking at the, uh, at the uh, current record uh, in the NL East, the Phillies are actually number one right now. But uh, you know the Mets and the Nationals' games were both canceled due to COVID, so both of them right now are still O and O and did not play a game yet. But the Atlanta Braves are 0 and one, and the Miami Marlins are O and two. So as of right now, the Phillies are undefeated. So 161 more of them, and we got undefeated <laughs> season. So uh, it, we'll see what happens. But really, it's it's exciting to see this team. I think as talented. As you know, as we remember, and I think that this is
1: one of the better teams we've seen probably since twenty eleven. Yeah, and I did just want to say I can I can't believe I forgot this, but the Braves do have Charlie Morton, who's another outstanding pitcher. He's obviously on the latter part of his career, had some time in Tampa Bay, um, but still a very good pitcher. And, and they have four really good pitchers now that I look at it with with Anderson, Freed, Soroka, um, I believe when he comes back, and, and then Charlie Morton obviously today. So this team's going to have to find ways to win. Um, And and when I say that they're going to have to make outstanding plays like they did the other day um, to beat a team like the Atlanta Braves. They have power and talent and youth up and down their lineup, not only on the, on the, batting side, but also in the in the bullpen and the pitching as I alluded to. So I think this is going to be the, the toughest opponent for the Phillies. And if they can start to gain ground and win some games, win this series against Atlanta, I know they play the Mets next and then they play Atlanta again. If they can grab some of these early games, they're gonna put themselves in a really good position uh early here for the for the later part of the season when that comes.
0: Yeah, and, and we we alluded to the schedule uh you know as well as a tough schedule to start off the season and we'll probably take a deep dive into the schedule and what it's gonna look like for the beginning of the year with the Phillies. Phillies after uh, the first break, but listen, I'm excited where this team's at, and, and we're going to take a deep dive into the Phillies, but also we're going to take a look at March Madness, Final Four, um, and bets, and, best,
1: and uh, you know, what was up? I was just going to say real quick, um, you know, we did put a poll up on our Twitter, at yeah. Connor Mark, Show. Um, it's just what will be the Phillies' win total this season, so we have the options of 90-plus wins between 87 and 89 eighty three and eighty six and under eighty currently ninety wins and eighty seven to eighty nine wins are in the lead with forty percent and eighty three to eighty six wins are is in second with twenty percent and thank God nobody has voted. 80 or under just yet. Yeah, yeah, that's zero percent.
0: I feel like we would have saw a couple if they would have lost the first game. Just a typical exactly. overreaction mm-hmm. of you know the first MLB game and the first MLB
1: season. Well, uh, I, I don't want to overreact either since they won one game by the skin of their teeth. Yeah. I don't want to overreact about this team, but it really shows where this team can play when they're all when they're all clicking on on all sides of the ball. Um, and, and if this bullpen can come alive, I think this team can really be dangerous not only in the NLEs, but in the NL as a whole. No, I agree. Right, you can follow us on Twitter
0: at Connor Mark. Mark Show to keep up with the poll like we just said and all our other content as well. And you also can subscribe to our YouTube page as well at Connor Mark Show on YouTube. Uh that's where we put all so put our all podcast episodes on there, interviews, stuff like that. And uh yeah, we're gonna take a quick break here on the Connor and Mark show. You'll on ninety five point three wchg fifteen twenty wchg We'll be right back. 5.3 WCHE also, I'm Mark Rogers I'm Connor Gabe You can also be listening on 1520 uh, Here We're here with you from 10 to 11 breaking down the Phillies game obviously uh, you know that was Thursday, and then they're gonna be talking about the game today. Obviously, it's gonna be at four o'clock. Uh, Phillies taking on the Braves. Zach Wheeler is gonna be on the mound, uh, and we're gonna take a deep dive in that, and 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 uh, some other games maybe today as well, and and talking about March Madness is getting back underway. to Final Four tonight in Indianapolis. Uh, Gonzaga and UCLA versus, and then they have Baylor and Houston. So it's gonna be exciting games here tonight, but. Yeah, look at look at this game, look at the schedule coming up, Mark. It's going to be a tough one as we like we alluded to before the break. We got obviously the Braves in the three-game series and then the Mets come into town and the Mets um obviously are going to miss the whole first series of the Nationals due to a covid outbreak in the Washington Nationals locker room. So uh it looks like Jacob is going to be pitching that first game against the Phillies. So that's that was not something the Phillies were expecting. So uh but he's obviously one of the best pitchers in baseball and after the Mets, it's going to be on the road in Atlanta against the Braves and then on the road again uh against the Mets in Queens and then at home against the Cardinals uh and then later in April uh, at home against the Giants, that's gonna be a three game series. And then on the road again in Colorado to the Rockies in, uh, in... Denver, and then we got at the end of April. They're going to be on the road for a four-game series to wrap up the month against the St. Louis Cardinals. So it's a pretty tough schedule to start off April. But uh, like we like we said, this team's good, and it's going to be the same normal MLB format playoff postseason format, not the expanded one that we saw last year, where like half the teams get into the postseason. But it's going to be uh, three division winners and two wild cards, so it's going to be tough for the boys to get into. But
1: they really definitely have the roster to be able to uh, push their spot. Yeah, and, and again, it's early. It's one game in. We don't wanna be um <laughs> we don't wanna be the overreactive radio talk show where where we're but going of to the World we series, are. we're we're winning it all. No, we get it's early, but they really Should we lo- start playing the, the Broad <laughs> Street parade. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll give them a call, we'll, we'll get it going. But no, I, I totally agree. They need I think the biggest thing for this Phillies team and, and touching on your first point there, not expecting Jacob to, to ground the pitch. They're going to be facing tough pitching in the division all year. I mean, you think about it. You go down the list. We touched on the Atlanta rotation. You got the Mets, who acquired Stroman two years ago um, or two seasons ago. You got the Grom. You got Guard on there. Then you go to the Nationals. You got Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin. You got um, on the Marlins. You got a young pitching staff there. So this team is really going to be facing tough pitching interdivisional all year. And I think, like again, like you said, they're going back to the to the old playoff format, um, non expensive. The playoffs. This is really going to prep them for the postseason. This is really going to see if they are a real team throughout this 162 game season, um, playing against a very um, deep pitching pitching rotation. Everyone in their division. So. You know, with that, I think the Phillies have to do some of their work on on their side of pitching as well um you know Nola, like we touched on, had a good game yesterday, but he's got to pick it up a little can't slump off there in the seventh inning, giving up a bad two run home run against sandoval um I, I did not even know he was in the league anymore until, <laughs> until, he, until until I saw that. Until
0: it popped up on your phone. You're yeah. Like, and
1: I'm like, okay, nice. Um, but funny. no, I mean, Wheeler is a 1AB type of guy. He can be as good as Aaron Null, I believe. And, and this rotation is going to have to fill itself out. You got some veteran leadership on the back end who can really shore up this rotation. And hopefully you have the guys in the bullpen who come through, um, you know, strong for this Phillies team. So a lot to look forward to here and, and a really, tough month, I, I think. Um, uh, one that will groom this team for the rest of the season. I mean, the only easy matchup that I really see here, and I don't even think it's easy, you got the Colorado Rockies. They gave the Dodgers a game on opening day. They did. Um, they won 8-5, and, and they got smoked last night, but they, they look like they have some talent on their team, so the Phillies are really going to have to grind through this first month, and they're really going to have to Take the opportunity head on. And, um, you know, with the talent they have in this lineup, they're going to have to produce and they're going to have to get results and get out to an early lead here. So, um, I'm going to start off here and, and I'm going to swing it over to Connor after, but my biggest key to the game today is, is pitching, um, against this Braves team and against this division all season. I'm going to keep harping on it. The pitching is the most important part. And, and Zach Wheeler has to go out there and he's proven last year that he was a really strong pitcher in the starts that he got. Um, and I think today, I'm gonna make another score prediction. It's gonna be a low scoring one again, but. Really? I think the Phillies are going to win today. Um, I think they're going to win four three today. So I think it's going to be another low scoring one, and and I think these starting pitchers, it's going to be a pitcher's duel for sure. Uh,
0: my key to the game is two to six. So when you talk about the Phillies lineup and the, and the heart of it, Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper, J T Realmuto, Alec Boehm, and then D.D. D, D. D. Uh, I think that you know Boehm didn't really have, obviously have a great game. D, D. obviously made a great catch uh, in in the end of the game, but uh, he didn't really. I think he had three strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Bryce, I think I think he had a pretty good game. Reese obviously. He had a double I think that was huge for him to start off the season with some confidence and, and JT I thought he played okay but I mean they only scored two runs and that's the me of the lineup and, and if this team's going to be putting up runs the, the, that two to six is going to have to be very productive mm-hmm. so I'm expecting um, I'm expecting a big game from them I think that you know uh, Charlie Morton obviously he's, he's a pit, he's a really good pitcher but I think that uh, you know I like this matchup I think a little bit better than Max Reed I think you know righties obviously are a lot better he got you know left hand pool guys like Bryce and and D D I think they're gonna do I think they're gonna have a lot better of a game than they did yesterday. Uh I think I'm that predicting a good point. Yeah. So I I think I'm predicting D D gets a home run today. Okay. So I think he's gonna bounce back. I, I think that you know the good thing is he didn't carry out his poor play at the plate and into the field he still you know made a great grab and and he's still a really good short stop so i think he i think he gets a hold of one today i think he gets a home run but i think the phillies win and i'm going to go against your belief of the low scoring game i think it's going to be a high scoring game i think the phillies win 6 to 2 yeah so i think i think it's a good one i think that i think the offense starts to get going and and listen it's I know we're talking a lot about the, the first half of the season, the first month of the season right here, but it, like we've seen with this team over the past couple of years, it's not how you start it's how you finish. And this team has not finished well over the past couple of years, um, and they were close. All they had to do was win one game last year, and they couldn't do it. And, and that was an expanded playoff uh, season, and they couldn't figure out a way to do it. So uh, it's all about whether Joe Girardi can get these guys going and get the mindset going especially down in the last month in September uh of, of like listen like we're a game out or we're a game up in in a wild card spot. Like you gotta you know, keep your head, you know, straightforward and narrow and, and, and you know, it's 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 been the biggest problem with this organization for the past couple of years mm-hmm. and uh, you know, obviously that stretch out like after twenty eleven they're they're a bad team, but this is a good team and they
1: need to Very figure out in September that, you know, and I, I think what goes hand in hand with Girardi getting these guys up and, and getting them ready to play is, is the leadership on this team. And there's no better leader in this city right now for Philadelphia sports in my mind than Bryce Harper. Um, and, and if he can get these guys going, if he can get his play at the plate and his play in the field going, these guys are going to feed off it. You got, you know, JT Vril Muto, who's, who's pretty much the general of the infield, I guess you could say. Um, and then you got some guys who have been around. You got D D, you got Hoskins, you got Segura. So you got Kutch out there in left field. So I think this team is built to win and, and win this year. I totally agree with that. But I think this leadership needs to carry these young guys up and, and in Bohm and, and Hazley and Quinn and get these guys ready to play. Come to the ballpark every day. Um, every get every day means just as much as, as the game, um, in front of us. So they really need to, to, see the opportunity they have here and, and, um. Again, it's not how you f- how you start, but definitely how you finish for this team, for sure. Yeah, I agree. And and we're gonna. I don't know. I'm, I don't know when they're gonna be announcing their lineup today, but as it currently
0: stands right now, it's just gonna be as like we said, Zach Wheeler and Charlie going could be on the mound for the Phillies and the Braves. And also, just some games around the MLB. You want to talk about anything that stuck out to you from Opening
1: Day, or what games that stick out to you this uh, today or tomorrow for the first series of the weekend? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of touched on it a little earlier, but the the Rockies Dodgers series kinds of kind of intrigued. Me just due to the Rockies coming out on opening day and kind of stunning. Um, the, the Dodgers, I know Cody Bouncer had a home run taken away from him, and it was an 8 uh, 5 win. Colorado played a lot of small ball, not a lot of home runs. I believe Colorado didn't even hit a home run, but um, I'm definitely intrigued for that game today. Um, Pulling the time up here real quick. But um, I also do like the, the Padres and the Diamondbacks' little interdivisional matchup. But obviously the Padres coming into the season after signing Tatis to that monster deal. Kind of the, the new face of baseball, if you will. One of the, the top names in baseball. So they're always fun to watch. But um, those are going to be my two games to watch today. And, and I do have it up here. Looks like Dodgers-Rockies play tonight at eight ten, And Diamondbacks-Padres are at eight forty. So... Two games that I like to keep my eye on there, and and Connor, you got any? Yeah, uh, Toronto Blue Jays and New York Yankees is an interesting one. I know you betted on the
0: Yankees to uh, <laughs> opening day. to win on opening day, and it didn't it didn't <laughs> happen. But uh, Toronto, listen, they got an interesting team. They got you know Vladimir Guerrero, Boba Chet, um, and you know, and what they bring in, they brought in uh, Springer. Yeah, they brought in yeah, Springer. Yeah, George Springer from uh, Houston. And I think they have a pretty good line. We got a pretty good team. I, I don't think the Red Sox could be good this year. And uh, I don't The Orioles are still a pretty young team. I don't think they're going to be. You know, really contending for a division. I think the Yankees and the Blue Jays are probably the top two. I know the, you know, Tampa Bay is a pretty good team, but it seems like every year they just don't have a lot of money to pay their big guys and they just, they get depleted every year. So, uh, I think Toronto is a pretty good shot of maybe pushing for an East title this year. So that's going to be an interesting game. I want to see how, uh, the Yankees bounce back because they are obviously, like, like usually every year they're in the top of the, uh, you know, title odds and, you know, that's what happens when you get a lot of money in the MLB, man. You can just pay for everybody. But, uh, also Rangers and Royals. I was watching, uh, the first inning for their game, it was like, they both scored like 10 runs combined. <laughs> so like, I was like, man, there's just not a at defense being played today. So I think it's an interesting game. And, uh, and also the Pirates and the Cubs, I know, you know, the Pirates keep Ryan Hayes, man. I think he's a really good player for the Pirates. I think he's going to be, you know, one of the better players in baseball. So uh, I know the Pirates are going to probably have a pretty bad year this year and not a really good team, but that's going to be an exciting player to watch, uh, in the MLB. But, uh, you know, we'll transition into March Madness to final four. Uh, we're going to the break in about like five minutes and then we'll talk about on the other side as well but final four uh, both our brackets are busted but you know we gave the old college try on the
1: brackets so <laughs> <laughs> we both went Michigan, um so, you know tough yeah. loss tough loss was- ucla is hot though there's always that one hot team they're hot and, and, um,
0: you know, I picked them to go to sweet 16. I would have thought that they'd be, you know, playing in a Final 4. Uh, but as of right now, it's going to be today at 514, Houston number, uh, two going up against number one Baylor. Uh, and then the night cap at 830 is going to be number 11 UCLA versus the number one Gonzaga. And, uh, it's currently standing right now as I look into this. I think Gonzaga is far and away the, uh, favorite. They have been dominant and it's very reminiscent of the 2018 Villanova Wildcats to me, man. Just like every game, they're just dominating them, and it's not close, and they just look like the superior team. So uh, I don't think UCLA has a great shot. I think the last time I checked the line, it was plus 14 for UCLA. Still 14, yeah. Still 14, so... you know, maybe they can cover it um, Maybe they can keep close But I don't think they beat them And I think Baylor beats Houston as well I know Houston's a really good defensive team And they got a lot to offer there But I think Baylor, surprisingly Because they were pretty rusty going into the tournament, um, tournament they, they they look pretty good and I think
1: it's going to be Baylor against Aga In, in the finals So what, what about you? Yeah, I'm gonna have to disagree on the Baylor point. and, and I'm, I'm standing strong on it, man. I'm standing standing on Houston here, heavy. Um, I really like the way they played a, a defensive game um, throughout this entire tournament. It's been low scoring for the most part, but they've proven that they can suffocate teams on on the defensive glass. And I, I don't know about you, Connor, but when I watch them offensively rebound the ball, I think it's just a, a work of art. Um, they're really good on the offensive glass. Probably better on the defensive well, side. Or they, I'm sorry, better on the offensive side. Than when they the played Oregon side.
0: State. I mean, it was just, they dominated over Domination. the boards. And I mean, that was the, I mean, listen, I, I thought Oregon State had a pretty good shot to beat them, but mm-hmm. the reason they didn't win that game because was Houston was all Could over the, the board. Them. Yeah, exactly.
1: So that size and athleticism, I mean, Baylor matches up way better than Oregon State did with, with Houston. And, you know, I think there is a shot that obviously Baylor can take this. I think um, the, the spread right now is five, but I'm really looking at Houston here. Um, I think they can pull the upset off. But on the other side, I totally agree with you. Gonzaga is just too good of a team i i love mick cronin's team he was a, a coach at cincinnati um it was kind of funny they were asking him about his dad I, if, if you've been paying attention to the tournament you'll see his dad he's the older guy obviously in the ucla sweatshirt always going crazy yeah. uh, throughout this entire run um so so they were kind of comparing him to the sister gene of um Loyola, chicago <laughs> when they went on their run but um you know all in all it's it's a it's a very good defensive team. Mick Cronin runs a very tight ship at UCLA, and, and obviously um, it's shown as they're in the Final Four here, but I just think this this Gonzaga team's way too talented and, and just is going to overmatch this UCLA team as hard as they try, as you know, as much defense as they try to lock uh, Gonzaga down on. They just look like a different breed this year, and, and I think it ties hand-in-hand with your point there. I think they are like a Villanova this year. I mean, you remember Villanova beating Michigan in the final a few years ago by like pretty sure it almost by 20 points, so yeah. it wasn't even close the entire game, and, and you know, I think if they do, I think when they do get to the final, whoever they play, Baylor or Houston, I think it is going to be a closer game. But I don't see the Zags team losing. Um, the fourteen points I'd lay against UCLA, um, I think they're going to beat them by twenty. I think it's going to be a blowout, and and I see Zags winning, winning the NCAA tournament as a whole here, no matter who they play, Balor or Houston. Well, the current championship odds as is,
0: uh, on Bovada right now: number one Gonzaga, like we said, is a minus two hundred. Uh, number two is Baylor; they are plus. 200. Seventy-five. Houston's a plus seven fifty, and UCLA is a plus two thousand. So I don't know. Maybe throw like five bucks. So I'm like, eh, it's five bucks. Let's see what happens. Like you know, I mean, like you said, I I agree. Gonzaga is probably the favorite. Um, but listen, if Baylor plays Gonzaga in a national title game, which I am predicting—that's my prediction. But uh, if that does happen, I think Baylor actually has a shot. Mm-hmm. It's not a good one. I
1: wouldn't say it's like you know fifty-fifty here. It's probably more like. Twenty eighty maybe. Yeah, I would say I would I would probably say the spread would be pretty close to ten still. Yeah, depending on who they play. But I take I take Baylor in the points if that was the case. I think I would too um, if that was the case. But. This Zags team and, and I, I personally thought USC may have had the best shot to beat this Zags team and, and challenge them with the two Mobley brothers down low with the size. But yeah, I mean, their defensive play, like I was talking about on, on the last, um, instant reaction we have up on our YouTube page. The defense is just, is crazy for the Zags. They press, they pick your pocket. They were playing the backcourt press with, you know, seven minutes into the game on, on, uh, in the elite eight, you know, they were up by 12. They don't, they don't, let down they're relentless and i think this team is as gifted as they are on the offensive end they compensate as well on on the defensive end for um their play and and they're they're a different team this year and i'm i'm rolling with zags all the way for sure though yeah i I think i agree it could be uh exciting
0: but um you know, we're going to take a quick break, about like two minutes, but uh, anything you want to touch on before? Because I, I know we're going to talk a little bit on the other side about March Madness and odds and, 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 and stuff like
1: that. But um, anything else you want to touch on before we go to break? Yeah, I think I'm going to I'm gonna save the lock of the day for the other side. So make sure you yes. stick with us here and, and we'll have the locks of the day coming. Do I even dare put one industry. out after my... Performance this whole You gotta come back. The records the record can only
0: go up from here. (laughs) Nah I I think you're right. All right. Well make sure you follow us on Twitter at Connor Mark Show and subscribe to our YouTube page as well. Also follow WCHE on Twitter and uh and on Facebook as well. You can keep up with the station's content along with our content as well. So we're gonna take a quick break here on fifteen twenty WCHE ninety five point three W C H. E. You listen to Connor and Mark show. We'll be right back. point three the Connor and Mark show here from 10 to 11 every Saturday morning I'm very happy there because it's spending with us so a lot to talk about obviously with uh, March Madness and uh, Mark I made an executive decision because I immediately thought that because today you're going to get your irons measured out for you so you're, going, you're going to go and take a trip down to Wilmington to get a uh,
1: new, uh, new set of irons I, I guess I'll name drop second swing you know second down, swing I check know check it out I know no
0: free ads but no free ads but we're <laughs> expecting a paycheck now but, <laughs>
1: but uh,
0: yeah so you're going to go get your irons and that reminds me the masters is a week from now so it's thursdays could be the opening day of the masters in augusta and um it's like jim nance always says it's it's event uh, like unlike any other so hello friends yes hello friends so and that's it's, all you need to hear and you know you're in the Masters. you're like all right let's go i'm ready to go so <laughs> uh you know we're gonna take a quick di- uh, deep dive uh, into that later in the show as well and um Again, yeah, and going back to the March Madness point, uh, uh, we do have locks of the day mark. And like I was saying, I've been very poor this, this month. And I don't, I don't know. I think, I, I think I've gotten like two right. Maybe I've been going more towards the over and under because the, the, the lines were not treating me good. So I, I did the, I did the Gonzaga. I did the Gonzaga over against, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. No, it was under against. It was, it was in a sweet Creighton. sixteen. It was like yeah, it against Creighton, it was like one fifty nine and they went under. Then I did the Michigan what what over and under did I do? I'm it. pulling it up. Yeah, I'm you're sorry. pulling it up right now. And then I, I got that one wrong. So I think I'm like two and six in the month of March on uh betting odds and stuff like that. So as of right now, as it currently stands, uh I'm probably at the bottom of the bra- I'm at the bottom of my, you know, bracket league uh for both
1: ESPN and C B S and also at the lock of the day as well. Did you pull it up? Yep, so uh you had we'll just go over real quick. I had Michigan money line this was in the um sweet sixteen <clears throat> Michigan money line they obviously won Connor had the Zags Creighton under one fifty eight and a half that won then I took uh Oregon State plus seven and a half against Houston, and you took Baylor minus eight I believe that one as well yep. so um Yeah, so we're back here for the locks of the day on this is now Saturday going into the final four. And I'm going to kick it off because I've been riding this team and I'm going Houston plus five. Why are you going Houston plus five? I Man, I really think this is going to... I mean, if Ballard does end up winning, I think this is going to be a very slim margin. I think both of these teams match up very well. I think, obviously, Houston's more of a defensive-minded. I think Balor's more of a offensive team, but I think they're going to clash together. And my prediction is it's going to be a lower-scoring game than people anticipate. Um, but I really think it comes down to rebounds. And, and I think Houston is a better rebounding team than Ballard. Um But I think is a better scoring team. So I think that's where the difference is going to lie um and and if if Houston stays true to their game, I don't see why they don't cover this spread and and go um go have a, a dance at the NCAA championship but I'll throw it back to you and, and who do you have for your locket of the day connor it's, I think it, I know who it is but yeah, it's. I
0: was thinking, yeah, because I don't know about this Gonzaga UCLA game. I mean, the over under right now is one forty six. That's actually like a pretty good number. I'm like, dang, I don't know how I feel about that because it. Could, it all depends if UCLA scoring, and then it's
1: definitely I think gonna be over because I think Gonzaga's mm-hmm. gonna get their points regardless. That's what I was thinking. I think if they go more defensive minded, it's gonna go way way under. Yeah, Uh
0: and the Gonzaga fourteen and a half. It's that's a big. That's usually big enough where I would just bet. You know. UCLA in the spread, but Gonzaga has just been too dominant to, you know, go against them. So I, I don't know. I think I'm going to stay away from that game as it currently stands right now, and and I think I'm going to go Baylor. I'm going to go Baylor minus five. I so I know. I, I think that listen, man, I Houston's good I think it's gonna be close. I just think they're gonna pull away at the end of it. And I okay. think that um you know you know, I think listen, Houston definitely has a shot. I'm not doubting their ability and and the the one thirty four and a half over and under was interesting too. I was like maybe, just maybe they can get over that. I think they could, but then again, Houston's a really good defensive team, so they may keep it close and keep it tight, especially down the stretch. But I I have to go Baylor. I think we can go Baylor minus five and uh and yeah, I think we have a Gonzaga Baylor. Uh, national, you know, national championship, which They also have the, the They have future spreads on here too, as well. So like, you what? Well, you got Houston winning, right? Yeah. So, so let's say Houston, uh, the only one they don't have on here is hold up. They have all of them except the Baylor, or except the Houston and uh, Gonzaga. So like, let's say Baylor and Gonzaga met. Uh, Gonzaga will be favored minus six. six Mm-hmm so Okay, that makes so sense. If it, was, if it was Houston, I'd guess it'd probably be like minus eight or minus nine or ten. I agree. So if depending around, on how the game
1: goes. I mean if it's yeah, a, if which I don't think it will be, but if it's like a blowout on one side, then possibly the spread may move oh, more it's, it's, in, it's in eight, Zag's favor. It's eight but, and a half. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was gonna s I say closer to ten a little bit earlier, so I agree. Yeah. It, it's just <laughs> the numbers, obviously, of how the spreads are made up, it's just Points way too much in Gonzaga's direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the way they've been starting games, like I alluded to in the USC game, got off to a very very quick start, and that that's plays a huge role. You're kind of rattling these teams who thought that they were, um, you know, on the. I, I bet USC went into that game with a lot of um, confidence, a lot of momentum, and they thought. Hey, a lot of teams have been getting rolled by the Zags, and and another overlooked fact is how how bad the Zags beat up on Creighton too. I mean Creighton, I'm pretty sure was ranked as a top five team during the during the season this year at some point. So well, they're very offensively good. They're too. very offensively gifted, and and they put up a lot of points in the Big East this year. They they routed Villanova um in at one game this season, so that was a surprise. And then USC comes in and thinking that they have some confidence and and that they're a pretty good team, and they get rolled too. So it. This SAGS team is, is, I mean, Drew Timmy is an all star of, of this tournament. Um, well, especially with that mustache. I love she the has mustache on. he's rocking. And, and <laughs> the it's. Two man shoe I, I really love how, how every March Madness, I feel like we get like one character, like one guy we really look at. And, and this yeah. year, by far, it's it's Drew Timmy. So well, it's that kid from Loyal, too. Like the
0: guy, like mm-hmm. that big center. It's like, this guy does not look like an athlete, but he's going out <laughs> there and like dropping double doubles like it's nothing. I'm like, you know, That's but. Great. Yeah, so, I mean. Yeah, I'm I'm like too scared to go against Gonzaga in any way. I mean, even the 14 and a half me. So, I don't know. I, I think that I'm hoping uh, it's a close game because, listen, the Elite Eight, I thought I was pretty disappointed by. Uh, a lot of the games were really close and it wasn't really interesting, uh, except for the UCLA-Michigan game, which obviously, you know, of course, the one team I picked to win a national title loses. So, uh, yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I, listen, I think UCLA's got a shot, man. I think they're on a miracle run. Uh, Eleven seed. I know they're obviously a big program, and they're not like some under you know Cinderella team like an Orel Roberts or something like mm-hmm. that. But they've you know defied the odds. They you know, they were what the last four in, and yeah. uh, and were able to um, you know make it all the way to a final four. So I think they have a shot. But uh, as long as they can,
1: if it's close down the stretch and second second half, I think they definitely have a shot. Yeah, and one of the craziest things about this tournament, just to add to the madness a little more, was UCLA was actually down at half in their playing game against Michigan State by 11 points, I believe, um, at half. Their win probability was in the basement, uh, pretty much below 5%, I'm pretty sure, and they stormed all the way back to win that playing game, and obviously now they're here in the Final Four, so I I really don't want to count this team out because um, that's the easy thing to do, but... Again, we we keep we keep touching on it. We we keep reiterating it. This Zags team is just different, um, and and you know that spread is a lot of points. But I can see this Zags pulling away here and, and winning this game by twenty. I I agree, and it's it's gonna be exciting to watch, man. And
0: and I'm I love, it's it was that first weekend at the round of sixty four round.
1: It was I watched like maybe like ten hours of basketball day. Oh yeah, well because shocked. there was no tournament last year, so it was kind of yeah. like double the fun this year. Yeah. A lot of upsets. Again, remember we touched on that. Nine upsets in the first in the round of 64, five upsets in the round of 32. So, um, you know, very interesting basketball, Oral Roberts pulling off the upset against Texas and then Shaka smart. The, the coach for Texas um, departing earlier last week, now to Marquette in a, in a big East, um, very competitive big East conference where Marquette has kind of um, nosedived a little bit over the past year to where they were last year. But um, college basketball, man, always, always moving. And, and, In my mind, I mean, other than the Stanley Cup playoffs, and I guess I'm kind of biased towards the NHL. I think this is the best tournament in sports. It's it's action packed. You got teams that you don't expect to get there, and and obviously UCLA is is a prime example this year in the Final Four being a a first four team in and a first four team out. No, I agree, and uh, I'll probably cut the break a little bit sooner. We'll go on break in about uh, three or four minutes. I do want
0: to touch on this though. Uh, we had Grant Foley on earlier in the week. He, I have good buddies with him. He works for the Philadelphia Phillies the social media department and he's been doing, uh, a pretty cool story called leaving a legacy, the Dick Allen story. Um, and you can look at this on Twitter as well. The Phillies official account just tweeted this out 15 hours ago. It was narrated by the big piece, Ryan Howard. Uh, obviously the story of, of, uh, Dick Allen, Phillies legend. And, uh, he's been doing a lot of work like that, man, with, with, uh, you know, he, he, I think he did a story on, the 1980s Phillies last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was telling
1: us that's another episode. Uh, you can find that on Spotify where he was talking about that. Yeah, he, he did a great job with that. And, uh, I'm excited to give a, this give this one a listen as well. I
0: think it's gonna be, uh, you know, it's pretty cool with the, the type of content the Phillies are pumping out now. And, and I'm not surprised. I mean, when you hire a guy like him, they're gonna be putting out some pretty nice stuff. So, uh, so it's, you know, you take a check, sh- uh, check that out. And, uh, you know, I'm probably gonna take a look at that later in the day. So that's obviously a great thing All with the Phillies back and, and baseball back. It's, it's a good to take a little flashback and see the
1: past and the, the legends that came with the Philadelphia Phillies. Most definitely, it definitely looks like a great piece. Obviously, Dick Allen getting his um pretty sure he got inducted to the Phillies Hall of Fame last summer. Uh, that was a, a great uh, ceremony for a, a legend of his caliber, uh, and especially like you said, Connor, the, the great names that have came through this organization over the you know past. I believe almost you know, 150 years of this organization's history. So, um, you know, great piece. Definitely go check that out. And, and, definitely check out our interview with Graham, not only on our YouTube page this past week, but also uh, the episode we did with him last year on some of the stuff that he was doing. And and you can watch that as well. So a lot of good stuff from Graham Foley. And and thanks again for coming on. It was a great episode of preview of the Philadelphia Phillies this year. Yeah, he did. And yeah, like you said, you can follow that on our social media
0: page and our YouTube page, Connor Mark show. Uh, All right. So we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to come back, talk some masters. Like you said, you're going down to Wilmington and get some, uh, some clubs, some some seasons, Around the corner here, I know. And next Saturday we're we'll gonna be going out and playing some golf. So oh, yeah, Connor and Mark show hits the hits the place
1: place some eighteen and see how it goes. We might we might post some videos on on the YouTube page for some laughs if anyone wants to check that. Little out. A Little
0: friendly trash talk, you know. It's, you know, <laughs> maybe put some money on it. We'll see what happens. But uh, all right, we're gonna take a quick break here on uh, ninety five point three WCHG fifteen twenty WCHG. The Connor and Mark Show from ten to eleven. We'll be right back.
1: WCHG The Connor
0: and Mark Show, 95.3 as well. Also listening around the world on WCAG.com, streaming 24-7. Uh, we're back here for our final segment here, Saturdays from 10 to 11, like I said. Uh, starting off here, 76ers. Uh, Joel B could be back tonight. We're still waiting on the injury news, like we alluded to earlier in the show, with Joel Embiid. Um, Obviously, hurt his knee about, like, it seems like it was a month ago. Um, but he obviously evaded any major structural damage in his knee and it looks like he'll be back sooner rather than later and it could be tonight. Um, I'm excited to see this full team, man. I'm excited to see, um, yeah, I'm excited to see Joel Embiid. Bean. I'm excited to see George Hill. They brought in the trade deadline. Uh, Ben Simmons, I think he's been struggling. Um, Oh, here, they just dropped the injury report as of right now. So currently, it stands right now Joel Embiid is questionable with a knee. George Show is still out with a thumb, and then they play Minnesota tonight with Ricky Rubio questionable and D'Angelo Russell out with a knee injury. So they are going to be playing the Timberwolves tonight. Um, but, yeah, listen, I'm excited to see just this full lineup and full roster I think this this team really has a shot of making a run and being a serious contender this, this playoff um, you know it, I know a lot of people were disappointed that they didn't make the big splash move with Kyle Lowry but at the end of the day it's probably too much to, for a guy at his age with that money tag. So um but I, I like the move with George Show. I think he's going to place a lot of big minutes in the playoffs at that backup point guard spot. Uh, he could shoot, he can play defense. So that's everything you want out of a veteran off the bench and stuff like that. So um but I'm excited to see him be back and he probably won't win the MVP this year just due to probably missing time with the injury. Uh, but it was, I'm excited to have him back and I'm excited to see what this roster at, at full strength is able to do
1: yeah and then you know, looking at the next two games here, like you touched on, they got Timberwolves tonight, and then they have the Memphis Grizzlies tomorrow. I think personally, the reason he's questionable is because they're going to hold him out these these next two games I oh, think um and they have the Celtics on Tuesday, I mean obviously the Celtics are not in the position of a of a big contender at this point in time where we normally would expect them, but you know every time the Sixers and Celtics play, it's always a game, it's always obviously a high intense rivalry um so My personal opinion is they're going to hold him out until then. Um, But who knows? He may be back tomorrow. But I think this team is rolling just fine without him Um, right now. Obviously, they've had a a bit of a skid a little bit before. They had a good game against the Cavs and, and, um, you know, the 20-point win there. But, you know, coming down here and and now... What is this now? April. Jeez, uh, I don't even know what month it is. Um, this NBA season is flying. I don't, I don't know why I thought I was going to say March, but in April here, they got 16 games left and then they got nine in May. So they just need to keep up on on a consistent streak here. They need to just keep playing good basketball. They need to keep this place, um, keep this pace and keep their first place spot here in the East. Um, I mean, they have some good opponents coming up here in, in the month of April. You got the Nets um, on April the 14th. You have the Clippers on the 16th. You got the Suns on the 21st. You got the Bucks back to back. And I mean, the Hawks are making a bit of a splash. They're in playoff contention. Um, not, you know, normally where they are, but they're, they're a good young team as well. So this Sixers team is going to have some um, good games here down the stretch on their hands in April um, as well as May and, and, you know, when Embiid comes back, it's only gonna bolster this roster. Um and, and the final point I do wanna touch on is is with the NBA trade deadline moves. I think George Hill was the perfect move uh for this team. I really don't think that they needed a huge piece, uh, unless it was there for the correct price, which obviously didn't really pan out. Um and I love the approach Daryl Morey takes. He'll be overly um, competitive and going to get a guy, but he won't be overly aggressive. And in the sense of, of the Kyle Lowry um, trade, I believe they wanted two first-rounders, Matisse and Tyrese Maxey. He he knows that that's not the, the right price for him, and he's not going to pay that. So um, props to Morey making good moves, a depth move, a guy that's had some experience in the NBA playoffs, as well as the finals with the Cavaliers and George Hill. Uh, I think he's going to serve this team well, and, and I think... I think this team's going to be just fine down the stretch. No, I agree.
0: Uh, as I currently stand right now, the 76 Sixers are second in the Eastern Conference, a half game behind the Brooklyn oh, okay. Nets. A correction then, I'm sorry. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I believe they passed them yesterday or two days ago, but... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think once the Seventy Sixers are fully strengthened back and healthy to go, I think they'll probably take that spot back. And whether they go into the playoffs at number one or number two, I think they'll they'll definitely be in that top three spot. The Milwaukee Bucks are three. Uh, They're the Seventy uh, the Sixers have two games up on them, and then a big drop off. The Charlotte Hornets at number four. Uh, which is shocking. The no Hawks, although, so they might they might stall out at the end of the season. But that's, we'll see. that's a bummer for them, man. You lose yeah. your rookie, and and you guys still had a number four spot. Uh, number five, the Hawks. Number six, the Miami Heat. Number seven, the Knicks. And number eight, the Boston Celtics. A game under five hundred. This man, it's not been a good year for uh, you know, Boston Celtics, man. I don't know what's going on up there, but it's uh. Obviously shocking and the Pacers are that number nine
1: spot two games out on the Boston Celtics. So uh, I may be crazy in saying this. I'm going out on a limb, but if, if the Celtics do finish in eighth place and the Sixers finish in first. Uh, I'm I'm going to be a little scared going into that series no, I, again. I, I know that this the I record agree. doesn't indicate where they're at right now or or the talent they have on this team, but when the playoffs come around, Brad Stevens gets in, in coaching playoff mode, and Tatum gets going, Brown starts clicking. I know they acquired Evan Fournier, really not looking like a, a good trade ac- acquisition at the deadline. He may come alive a little bit, so. Um, this Boston Celtics team is, is not to be counted out, um, and I believe that they, they might catch some fire at the end of the season. And the last thing I did want to mention is you are correct, uh, Sixers are in second place half game back, but Brooklyn does have a game in hand, or Sixers have a game in hand. On uh, Brooklyn. Okay. So okay. Sixers are 33 and 15, and, and Brooklyn's 34 and 15. So that's where that difference lies. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. It's, listen, I know uh, the Nets are probably the scariest team right now. Uh, I, I, listen, I'm not going on a limb saying they're a super team because, listen, Blake, Blake Griffin's not the player he is in Los Angeles when he was at the Clippers, and when Marcus Aldridge not a player he was when he was at Portland back in the day, mm-hmm. um, I think that they're still solid, good players. That can, definitely gives the Nets uh, an advantage uh, at that four spot. Um, but I, listen, I don't think they're a super team. But still, th- then again, if, if Kevin Durant's healthy and Kyrie Irving's healthy and James Harden's healthy, I, I think they're better than the 76ers. But I, I do agree on the point with the, the Boston Celtics. It's just something about him man. i think they're really well coached and and jalen brown's a really good player and jason dane's a really good player um and kemba walker uh, you know i think he's, he was a little overrated i think at his time in charlotte but he still can he's a really good offensive player and get score so i think that's a matchup i think the seven sisters do not want um mm-hmm. i keep waiting I, I just kept thinking that maybe the celtics will turn it up and maybe find themselves in a four or five spot uh you know closer to the
1: end of the season but they they're just not there. It's still a day well, spot. Well, I think with Charlotte now, like we touched on, the Mellow Balls out for the rest of the season. I think, like I said, they're going to stall out towards the end of the season. And I think. Um, you know, the Hawks, again, a young team, not a lot of uh, playoff experience. Rajon Rondo getting traded. I know they brought over Lou Williams, but um, they're another team to to potentially fall off. And, and the New York Knicks, they look really good this season. Obviously, Julius Randle being a, an all-star and a, a top player in this league, I guess you could say, this year. But um, another team, very young, not a lot of experience on that roster. And, and that could bite them down the stretch. So I think the Celtics are are... Definitely going to make the playoffs this year. And I believe, like I said, again, they're, they're going to be a threat down, down towards the end of this season. All right, you want to transition to the Masters? We'll go Masters. because
0: right, we're going to be – I'm going to be in my golf garb next week because I think we're, we're heading straight out, I think, probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so straight after the show, we're going out and playing uh, – you know, round of eighteen. But as it currently stands right now, the twenty twenty one Masters, uh Dustin Johnson, who won last year, uh is eight to one favorite, followed by uh Bryson DeChambeau a nine to one. Justin Thomas is eleven to one, Roy McElroy is fourteen to one. Jordan Speeth is fourteen to one. Brooks Koepka is twenty to one. Uh Patrick Reed is twenty five to one. Lee Westwood is twenty eight to one. Um try to see other big names. Bubba Watson's a forty five to one. Uh Justin Rose is sixty six to one. And then I think closer to the bottom, I'm trying to find some other guys. And then, uh, Mark Leishman is a hundred to one. So obviously a couple of names right there. Uh, I know you have some guys
1: that stuck out to you with odds. So what's your, what's your pick, and, and do you have a dark horse as well? Yeah, so so during the break, I, I thought this was kind of funny, and I'll throw it over to you, Connor. My buddy Frank McVeigh texted me, shout out to my buddy Frank McVeigh, and he <laughs> goes, give me a favorite, give me a sleeper. So this one's going out for Frank. He did want me to mention his sleeper, which was Paul Casey. Um, so that's another good one to look for if you want some value there, um, and, and a very experienced player on the tour. But I'm going for my favorite, and, and this is probably my favorite guy on the tour right now. Um, he's just an animal. Not only all the T box, which is, you know, goes beyond saying, but reading putts, this guy is a master of reading the greens. I'm going to go Bryson Shambo as the winner yeah. of this year's Masters. I think it's just too hard to repeat. I really like DJ. Obviously, he's he's the favorite, um, but I'm going to go Bryson. And, and then, not so much a dark horse, but if you want to get a little value, I would look at Jordan Spieth. He's obviously fallen off over the past year a little bit of his play. Hasn't been as consistent, but he's been rising back up on the scene, finishing in the top 10 on some leaderboards in some past tournaments. Um, so I think Speeth, This is a tournament where some guys come alive um, That you normally don't see come alive During the year Or some guys that, like in Jordan Spieth's case That has been struggling throughout the season um, The Masters just brings out the best in everybody And, and I'm going to go for my sleeper Or just a, a guy that's not really a favorite uh, Jordan Spieth to win But I'm going to throw it over to you Connor and, and who's your favorite and who's your dark horse Alright well I'll start
0: off with my favorite uh, I debated the Dustin Johnson, obviously, he's obviously the favorite. Uh, I think that was too easy, so I, I passed on him. I like I like Brooks Kepka at 20 to 1, but I think I'm going to pass on him as well. I'm going to go Roy McElroy, and uh,
1: he's 14 to 1. Ooh, I know. That's another one, a guy that's been kind of struggling throughout the season. Yeah. Could make a big run here on the Masters. Yeah.
0: I like the 14 to 1, though. So I, I don't know. It's something about, you know, when he's at his best, man, he's really good, and, and we've seen it, you know, time and time again. So I like that 14 to 1 number. Um, if it wasn't him, I probably would have went maybe like a Justin Thomas, but, uh, but I agree the the price the Shambo one after you know what we saw what he did off the T box, he, he can hit it man. He, he really has a lot of power. But um, you know I don't know maybe, maybe I'll throw like five bucks like Ricky Fowler a hundred to one. Yeah, I, I, again like, he's another guy that hasn't really been consistent, but he's, no. he's but, but he's, like, it's so big I'm like might as well it's like yeah. throw some money on it and see if he can like catch
1: fire. But I don't know like. He's really been struggling though, man. He's like yeah. not even been in contention the past few tournaments. I'm pretty sure he missed the the first cut. Um in the players so he's been he 's been really off lately, but I do like the pick if you do want some value i 'm sure that's a lot uh, of value it's a juicy line there <laughs> it's one hundred to one
0: so uh, <laughs> yeah it's 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 big. A, a heck of a yeah it's it's a big it's a big number so if it, if it does miraculously pay out, and then someone's have a fun you know sunday night so uh <laughs> yeah, so as of right now yeah it's Dustin johnson's eight to one favored um and then like you said, your pick price the shampoo at number nine to one and then I 'm going Rory at fourteen to one. Uh, yeah. So it's starting Thursday on CBS. Jim Nance getting the call, obviously. Uh, I'm excited. Well, oh, uh, yeah.
1: What I said, who else would be making the call? Right. Uh, yeah. I know. Jim Nance, I don't think he... Tony Rowe. I think Tony Rowe would be at, at the <laughs> watch on his couch. So I don't know. Yeah. Right. now nah, he's, he's not the, the golf master, but yeah, man, masters is, is it's that time of year. It's crazy how, you know, obviously due to COVID last year, they had to move it to the fall, which I thought was really interesting. Obviously, the course looks Completely different in the fall to the spring, but I'm happy they're getting it back on track. It's a quick turnaround, obviously, from uh, I believe it was in October or November, and now again in its original spot in April. So nothing like the Masters in April um, coming back here and, and you know, the Shambo, uh, Dustin Johnson. Jordan Spieth, all these guys are, are definitely, in my mind, at least going to be at the forefront uh, of the leaderboard in this tournament.
0: All right, looks like we're about to wrap it up here, though, at the Connor and Mark Show. Uh- Tune in next week as well. Like we'll be talking Masters will be underway. Uh we'll be talking uh obviously, you know, Phillies will be you know a week into their season and then the Sixers
1: and Flyers will be uh, another week closer to the to the playoff push as they're going what what's up. Yeah, real quick, just wanted to mention the Flyers as bad as they have been made some good news in uh signing their first round draft pick of two thousand and nineteen, I believe Cam York, sixteenth overall defenseman from Michigan. Um, um, signed him to a three year entry level deal. So definitely excited to see him possibly come up, get a get a shot with the big club. Um Shane Goss has put on waivers, cleared waivers, um, I believe just due to the amount of money um, he he gets paid per year. So um, that's Flyers update, but uh definitely tune in next week. We're gonna be talking masters, Phillies, Flyers, Sixers and any Eagles news on the horizon. So make sure you listen and subscribe, Connor Marsha. Yeah, sounds good. All right, we'll see you guys next week.